Hello, hello, welcome to another episode of Pod Industry Malaysia. It's been a while, I apologize for the delay in recording an episode. But, uh, you know, I think I just wanted to catch up with uh, the listeners. Today, we're going to talk uh, a bit about the recent developments, uh, post-coronavirus in Malaysia. Uh, well, not really post, but I guess post-coronavirus uh, spikes in Malaysia. Now, we've really reduced our number of cases uh, from, you know, the the peak, which is about 200 cases a day, to now um, single digits to, you know, in maybe in the tens or in the teens. So... You know, I think I wanted to speak more on the investment opportunities coming up uh, in the next few uh, months and the investment opportunities that some of you maybe took advantage of or missed out on, um, especially in the stock market. I think we've been seeing the glove makers, you know, um, really rallying very, very hard in Malaysia. Um, Supermax is up almost, I think, 300%. Top Glove and Hatta Lega as well, the bigger boys are doing very, very well as well, holding up um, the stock price, making the, the some of the Tansri's billionaires. So, you know, I, I wanted to run through what are my thoughts about how we handled the crisis first and then, you know, we can move on into investment opportunities um, today. So, the I think what our government has done, um, again, speaking from a politically neutral point of view I think it's been a pretty good job so far regardless who you support and regardless what you think of um, the initial formation process of the government um, I think so far you know the the DG of health Jade uh, Norhisham has done very very well in, in keeping the public updated and also with the number of cases finally flattening and then the curve basically getting flattened um, in, in about you know two three months has really been successful I think the efforts have been very successful and also now with the recovery uh, movement control of the uh, RMCO I think people are starting to open up businesses are starting to um, invite more customers to come in and dine in um, even grocery shopping does not seem to be <laughs> like going out to get supplies during a zombie apocalypse I still remember going to get um, rice for my parents at um, Jaya Grocer or something and I felt like everyone was avoiding each other everyone was rushing rushing to you know take out all the rice and buy up whole racks of stuff groceries just because they were very scared of the virus and it felt like you know I was in a movie like a zombie apocalypse movie um, but you know now I think the public sentiment has really uh, improved and people are starting to feel more confident going out. Uh, me personally, I'm starting to go to the gym again, um, starting to go and dine out uh, with my friends, and you know, actually having uh, mask and sanitizers ready. And, and that's you know, having a mask and having a sanitizer is like a must-have already when you leave the house. So people have, I think, started to get used to the idea of this new normal of being very, very conscious about your surroundings and where you touch and wearing a mask at all times. And I think comparing with other countries, you've done much, much better. I think you look at the US, it's, it's really a mess right now uh, with President Trump saying that, saying all kinds of ridiculous stuff. Lah. But the one that was the most damning for me was actually the part where he said, you know, if we test more people, we'll get more cases. 
Well, uh, you know, I don't think I need to expound more on that point. He's just, um, I think, ridiculously um, being very trivial and being very childish about the whole situation. Um, so, you know, I, I, basically, in a nutshell, I think we have done better politically and diplomatically uh, versus, you know, the big boys like like America. Um, even India is seeing a spike in cases. Um, but I think in terms of political naivete, um, fancy word there, <laughs> um, Trump and the US takes the cake. Lah. They've, they've done very, very poorly in managing the situation. So, yeah, so there's a backdrop of the, the couple past, um, the, the, the couple weeks before today and uh, how the government has started to slowly open the economy, so started to allow interstate travel, so people have started to book um, holidays. Um, I booked my parents, Pankol Laut, you know, um, when they had an offer two for one, um, and also possibly going to Tanjung Jara as well. Um, as you can see, I'm a big fan of YTL Hotels. I think they're one of they're the best hotel group um, in Malaysia. Um, so yeah, I think people started to travel and, and things are starting to open up. Okay, so that's five minutes done. Let's talk more on investment opportunities. So, um, given the backdrop of the markets so far, I think most of the street is pretty adamant that the rally that we've been seeing, um, not just in Malaysia but you know across some of the markets globally, uh, this so- so-called recovery um, is not really driven by fundamentals. Um, it's driven mostly by liquidity. You know, as the Fed announced this amazing, the biggest quantitative easing program in history um, in order to pump up uh, asset prices to, to, to support corporates and retailers. Um, so we've seen that the real economy has not been correlated with uh, markets. And a lot of people have been, you know, debating on that online and on news channels, on CNN, CNBC, whatever. And I think it just boils down to something very simple. For, for the layman in Malaysia, you know, if you see markets going up um, and you see unemployment, you know, now at 5% and people cutting jobs everywhere. Today, news came out, Media Prima cutting 300 people. We've seen um, Grab um, cut a lot of people. And, you know, I think um, overall, the sentiment on, on the ground is still pretty bearish. It's still pretty depressing. Because people are losing jobs and they, they need to, you know, get, um, you know, if they're still employed, they need wage subsidies, they need help from the government. Um, so it's it's still very, very brutal actually on the ground. But if you look at KLCI and the other markets around um, Malaysia, um, things have been relatively sheltered, right? Um, I think KLCI has also recovered most of their losses um, since the huge coronavirus impact um, at the start of the year. So I think as a retail investor, you have to understand that um, don't be too happy that your stocks are doing well right now because most of it is liquidity driven. Most of it is probably funds from um, government linked investment corporations that are obviously trying to support the market so that we don't they don't cause a panic. And also the fact that uh, Bursa Malaysia and Securities Commission extended the short selling ban. So they don't allow uh, proprietary day traders to short sell the market. Um, they extended it was supposed to be until end of June but they extended it another six months um, till December so that's an indication that perhaps something um, 
you know there's more downside to come because uh, you know it's, it's, it's just two two ways it's either something big and bad is going to happen or the government and the regulatory authorities just want to play safe so that they don't see a crash in the market um, up to december so to, to buy themselves some time so obviously i have no insight to that but you know if i were an investor i'll just think of it as i guess uh, my stocks are just going to still relatively um, be okay till the end of the year lah. so if i wanted to sell um, take profit maybe i'll wait till the end of the year you know um, but i would advise maybe next year when if they don't extend the short selling ban again and short sellers are allowed to come back in the market and if we think that cases have not really um, dropped yet we have found a vaccine in december or we, if we haven't um, seen travel um, opening up and other countries around us opening up yet then maybe it's time to sell um, in december before they um, before they open the market for short sellers again so i think in the next six months your stocks may still do well you know i'm talking obviously about the uh, large caps like your tenaga and and pcam and uh, what else um, the banks etc um they probably will see price weakness moving forward but um you know i think i i would advise to you know if, if you want to take profit and you're up 10% on some of the large caps might as well just sell now lah but you know if you think that there's going to be recovery coming towards the end of the year and since short sellers are not in the market they're not allowed to be in the market maybe you can hold longer so it's it's hard for me to exactly say uh, when to sell obviously if not I'll, I don't have a crystal ball but you know I I would think I would take comfort from the short selling ban being extended lah in conclusion Um so okay so let's look at sectors in the market which ones have been doing pretty well and which ones have not I think the first thing is on the banks everyone's talking about the loan moratorium um being um lifted after I believe September that was the deadline of the 6 months loan moratorium for property and um higher purchase loans um So I think there's going to be a lot of credit cost impact on the banks. So we're talking even the large and safe ones like Public Bank, Maybank, um RHB, they're going to see some credit cost pressures and um their net interest margins may take a hit. And I would stay out of the banks. I would sell the banks now actually because it's closer. September is pretty close. It's just another couple of months. And if we start seeing credit cost creeping up and if we look at earnings coming out um, that could be weak for for the banks so um, i wouldn't buy into the banks as of now i would wait till the whole picture is available after the moratorium is opened up i mean moratorium is lifted and uh, you know people start paying back their loans and then we can see you know the default rates we can see who can or cannot pay their loans you know um, and and um, Yeah, I I would just stay out of the banks for now. So uh, other than the banks, been looking a lot on the gloves. So obviously, um, there was a craze lah in in the sector. People were taking on margin, borrowing money to buy stocks in top glove, Hatta Lega, Supermax as well. Most of the flows were retail driven, and I think the institutional guys only came in um, later. So um, I. Wouldn't advise to buy at these levels. To be honest, you're already seeing a lot of profit taking in Top Glove and Hatta Lega. They do well. It's basically range 
uh, range bound lah. They will do well like three four percent in a day, then the next day they will drop like two three percent, and then it goes on and on. It's a cycle. So in terms of a long term fundamental um, and and uh, growth team, I wouldn't advise to to get into the girls anymore. Not at this rate, especially also when the retail. Um, stockbrokers, retail stockbroking houses have had a limit on the margin financing. How much you can basically borrow to to buy the gloves, and how much um, I think in terms of collateral as well, how much you can um, you had to put on a lot more collateral to to get more margin um, to 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 bet on on these glove names lah. So um, I think. The only sector that I think is over uh, underlooked right now is actually the tech sector and also utilities. So utilities Malaysia obviously is just Whitetail Power and obviously the big one Tenaga lah. I'm a I'm a big fan of Tenaga because I think you know last year we saw them start hiking up dividends. You know I think the return on that name was I mean dividend yield alone was about six seven percent I think because they paid a special dividend. Um, and I think that's a good indication by management that they're willing to, you know, reward their shareholders. They they were always bound to um, hiking up the dividends any anyhow, and it was about time lah. And um, and it's has done very well actually, despite the volatility in KLC. He has not gone up considerably, but you know when you're looking at a bear market and you're looking at a coronavirus situation like this, it has done relatively well. And I think now it's about. 11 12 bucks you know i would put a lot of my money in there um if i could because um it's a high dividend yield stock um there has been a bit of some backlash obviously people are angry with their hiked up bills i think the calculation you know problems were were uh posted out on social media everyone was angry at the naga but if you look beyond that i think that's just a short term thing lah that could i don't think that sentiment translates into um, their share price that much But if you look at fundamentals, they've got room to hike dividend growth, ah, uh, dividend um, payout. They've got um, a very very steady earnings contribution. Um, uh, obviously, being a monopoly here, and I don't see them having to sell out their transmission and distribution assets to any private parties like that, like as it was um, rumored back then in the previous government. So I think the overhang of them losing their transmission distribution assets is is not going to be there anymore. Um, they're not going to liberalize that much. So, you know, in terms of risk and reward, if it pays me about four or five percent, also I'm already quite happy because I know that you know um, it's done very well in a in a pandemic. People still use electricity regardless. In fact, they use even more. But it doesn't really matter lah because there's this imbalance cost pass through. Mechanism in Tanaga. Um, you guys want to know more? You can read it up. Um, so, I think in terms of visibility, lah, if you're looking for something safe and a good dividend yield, um, Tanaga looks looks very very interesting um, at this stage. Um, and also the next thing, uh, the next thing I would talk about is actually property. So just to give you some personal context, I'm actually planning to get married soon. Um, I'm 27, going to be 28 next year. I uh, was planning to propose and um, you know get married soon, lah. So I was thinking of buying a house. Um, and I was looking around um, the PJ area, and I noticed that 
prices have not really come down because um, some of the landlords, especially in the subsale landed houses uh, segment, uh, some I saw were desperate to sell, but the condition of the house was just ridiculous, lah. It's not good. Um, and the ones that were looking to sell that had good condition in the, I mean, the, the house was good condition, that, and they were looking to sell, it was um, too damn high, like really, really ridiculously expensive. And they managed to get renters as well, so they're not in a rush to sell. So I haven't really noticed any um, fire sale moments yet, especially in the PJ area, lah. I'm actually staying near Kota Damansara, so I, I I can't speak for other areas, but in in my search, actually, I've not really seen big discounts coming in obviously there's this home ownership campaign to help clear stocks of developers but I'm not looking to buy a house that's you know 20, 20, 30 kilometers away from my parents right um, that's the sad thing about millennials uh, I think in terms of location of homes, new homes um, they're expecting us to buy a house that's really really far away next to a highway and just hope that you know there's no jam and, and hope that we can you know, commute every day for two hours <laughs> to to get to work, to to go to your parents or see your friends. I mean, I'm not gonna do that. I rather pay a premium to stay closer to town. Um, so I think if you wanna invest in property, um, maybe take your time because I think this moratorium has given some landlords some time to breathe. Um, but I think after September you could see them really feel the strain because they have to start paying the property loans again and you could maybe you could see people saying oh my god this is just not worth it you know I, I just I don't mind selling below market so I will wait till September you know give it a few months just view I, I think you should always just view keep in touch with agents so that you anytime you feel like bidding for a house you can just get in touch quickly and just wait wait for them to maybe reduce the price even further so I wouldn't really put a lot of money in property right now. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm buying. In terms of alternative investments, what I would buy... Um, actually, Bitcoin has done very well <laughs> in the pandemic. Uh, but my personal thoughts about Bitcoin is that it's... You know, it's still uh, a way for a lot... It, it's still a channel for illegal activity there's no regulation so I'm, I'm still you know I'm risk adverse I think you can put maybe 10% of your portfolio in Bitcoin but I wouldn't go all in even though it's done relatively well but the volatility in this asset is just crazy you know you're going to need to monitor this Bitcoin price every single day and I don't think I have the time to do that you know I just want to put my money uh, a big chunk of my money um, in something more concrete like uh company stock or even bonds um, so for Bitcoin I'll just put like 10% of my portfolio in it you know why not um, just to just to get some exposure into cryptocurrency so yeah in terms of stocks that's what I've said um, property and also um, cryptocurrency in terms of uh, making money should you invest in startups and the venture capital side um, I don't think so I think startups are starting to burn a lot of cash even the big ones like uber are struggling and they're trying to buy up their competition uber is trying to try to buy grubhub and then you know they're going to buy um uh, postmates i mean at least trying to propose acquisition so even the big big funded ones like uber and even grab are struggling so for you to take a bet on something smaller 
and hope that they make money you know doesn't make sense uh, if the big boys are already struggling um, so yeah on the venture capital side I think stay away I, I wouldn't invest in, in anything um, a crazy idea as of yet um, and uh, yeah so I think that wraps up my my investment recommendation just a disclaimer um, I am licensed as a stockbroker institutional stockbroker so I'm not really going to go into very much detail and push any um, pro- uh, products that are very specific to the place that I work uh, for anyway I'm actually leaving the banking industry so maybe you know in a couple of months I'll be able to speak more freely but you know just take this as general personal advice um, I'm not pushing or not recommending any stocks on behalf of anyone it's just my personal view and uh, yeah take what you will and uh, do what you have to do thank you guys Thank you.